Welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Upset the Vow series. Now let's join Pastor Tim. Hi. (sighs) I don't, I don't think that it's an accident. Um, that this final message that I'm teaching is on sex and that God would be so present and so intimate on the final message in this marriage series. And I'm ending it talking about sex. And he decides to make his presence felt in such an intimate way that the only thing that we can do is be still and know that he is God. He gave us a glorious moment, uh, which is absolutely amazing because the title of my message is Glorious Sex. So I think I should just start teaching. Because what else should I do? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. I'm going to read a few verses in your hearing, then I'll pray and get right into the message. First Corinthians chapter number 7. Verse number one says this. Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter. Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Can we just pause? Go back to verse number one. Who said that? Who wrote that? Right. But no, I'm talking about the people that wrote to Paul to ask about sex. What do you think we should be doing about sexual relations? They're writing this. I wish the church would be more free to have question and answers like the Corinthians. Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter. Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But thank God for that. But. I ain't ever been so happy to see a butt in all my life like I did right here. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual 
needs. Every married woman said amen. Amen. Only, only three women married in here? Y'all scared? Y'all, you don't think he can do it? What is the problem? I'm going to help y'all today. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. All the men said amen. amen. Okay. Married men. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of of (laughs) self-control. If you're taking notes on this message, the title of this message is Glorious Sex. Glorious Sex. My hope, my prayer, is that every married person who can, I know that uh, 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 there are a lot of issues that uh, create uh, sexual intimacy from being possible in certain marriages, and we'll unpack all of that uh, when, we, when Juliet and I talk on Unpacked. But I, I, I want to bring the glory back to sex for married people. I, I want to I bring uh, the context back to the way God gave it to married people so that you will understand that as a married couple, husband and wife, you should be having the best sex of anyone on the planet. The world has literally robbed the act of sexual expression and made it seem like they're having more fun than married people who God gave it to, to enjoy. So I'm going to talk about glorious sex. Bow your heads, let's pray over the word. Holy Spirit, uh, I pray that you would bring glory back to sexual activity In the marriage bed between a man and a woman, in Jesus' name, amen. So so I want to give you some definitions before I get into this, because when you hear certain words, uh, certain words uh, in culture have been diluted because we use certain words for everything now. And so unless you go back to the definition, uh, some of the words can be diluted and they lose their punch. Okay, it's just like everything's amazing now. Right. Like, is it, though? Everything's amazing. The the, the zucchini is amazing. Those shoes are amazing. That movie was amazing. That basketball game was amazing. Everything's amazing. You start using a word too much, it dilutes its potency. Sometimes you have to go back to the definition to get a context of what it is. So I want to give you the, the definition of glorious. Glorious means, by definition, delightful. Wonderful, completely enjoyable. That's what I want every married person to be experiencing in their sexual life. Something that is delightful, wonderful, and completely enjoyable sex in the marriage bed should be 
glorious. But there's a counterpart to glorious sex. And that is the word inglorious. Inglorious by definition means shameful or disgraceful. So if I say that 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 the 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 objective of this particular message is for uh, married couples to redeem the glory God gave to them to have in their sexual activity, then, then we must also acknowledge that if we are meant to have glorious sex, then there is somebody out there having inglorious sex. <laughs> So let me give you my definitions uh, for these two words. Glorious sex happens between a man and a woman who have committed themselves to each other through a marriage for a lifetime. If you all can read what is on the screen, would you please read it along with me? Glorious sex happens between a man and a woman who have committed themselves to each other through marriage for a lifetime. Inglorious sex is any sex that happens outside of a marriage by a man or a woman. (laughs) If y'all can read what's on the screen... Would you please read it, Rip Me? <laughs> Inglorious sex is any sex that happens outside of a marriage by a man or a woman. So can we be real and honest and admit that there is glorious sex the way God intended? And I will give you the scriptures for it. But that means if there is glorious sex, there is also inglorious sex. If glorious sex is supposed to be delightful, if it's supposed to be something that's completely enjoyable, then we have to also admit that there is some sexual activity happening that is shameful and disgraceful. And I'll be the first to admit I've had inglorious sex. Anybody else going to join me in the house of the Lord? I love the fact that y'all so honest. Y'all are my favorite church. I told Rory before I came out here, I said, I love this church. I just love, honesty, honesty, how many people in this room have had inglorious sex? You've had inglorious sex. Okay. How many people want to have glorious sex? You want to have glorious sex. <laughs> I love you all. <laughs> Sign me up. Where is this at? <laughs> Show me the way, sensei. Show me the way. Let me give you uh, a a verse, Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number four. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Among who? Among who? Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So there's a couple of uh, bullets I want you to write down. Here's the first one. Marriage should be honored by everybody. Everybody should honor marriage. 
We live in a culture right now where marriage is is deemed dishonorable. Oh, you got married. Oh. Oh, you handcuffed. Oh, you can't go out no more. Oh, you man. Oh, man. You can't. Now you're not going to have fun. The way culture has made it sound is that if you get married, you no longer have fun. You no longer enjoy life. You no longer enjoy sex. Because now it's with the same person over and over. Oh, that's so boring. <laughs> Can't believe. Oh, that just sounds. Oh, that sounds so limiting. Can't believe. Oh, you went down. The, uh, uh, my wife has been hit on in Walmart because she's fine. She's just fine. So when she goes somewhere, they, people just think she, men just think she's cute. Some ladies too. And so <laughs> it's true. She's been hit on by both. And, and somebody will come in and inevitably be able to be like, hey, how you doing? And Juliet's so sweet and so nice and so innocent that she's just like, hi. How are you? She has no clue they're trying to hit on her. And he's like, yeah, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm just picking up some food. What are you doing here? <laughs> Ten minutes later, you know, he, be, he, he becomes a little bit more, you know, overt. And she's like, what? I'm married. I have a Timmy bear and I love him. She was like, no, I can. I got some single friends and they're like, no, you. And she's like, no. And inevitably when she says, are you married? Their response would be, are you happily married? Wow. The level of disrespect. You didn't catch her at a club. Drinking some vodka, trying to get amnesia to me. You caught her in Walmart, cute. Waiting to get home to me. Asking this question. But culture has made it seem like marriage, and more specifically, sex in marriage, has to be the most boring thing in the whole wide world. And don't be a believer in Jesus. Oh, now it's the worst thing ever. (laughs) The marriage bed should be kept pure. When it says the marriage bed is undefiled, another way to say that simply is that the marriage bed should be kept pure. How do you keep a marriage bed pure? Make sure you and your spouse are the only ones in it. That's the end of the entire undefiled revelation. You want to keep your marriage bed pure? Make sure you and your spouse, man and a woman, are the only ones in the bed. Do not bring pornography into that bedroom. You and your spouse can have the most thrilling sex of all time if you would communicate your needs, tell them what you want, need, like, and when you come into agreement, have a ball. Hear me, when you come into agreement. 
Some of us have been too informed by pornography to truly enjoy the sexual experience you could have with your spouse in the marriage bed because you've been so polluted by what you've seen actors and actresses do that you actually think your wife is a porn star. You actually think your husband is a porn star. And so you bring all of this stuff you see actors and actresses do into the bedroom and then you are shocked when your spouse is looking at you like, what? You want to what? When? Where? How? Here? Now? It's Wednesday night, fool. I worked all day and so did you. We have two kids under five years old. I'm tired. She was hired. <laughs> so I want to I want to give you some points, some points that I think will help you understand. And, and just the way I did it last last week when I taught on sexuality, by the way, that message on sexuality went off. We had feedback from heterosexuals, homosexuals, bisexuals, all the sexuals <laughs> that said, listen, I had no idea that you were going to teach this so plainly and not body slam us. I just knew. I just knew we were about to get condemned to hell <laughs> because of our attractions. And now I have a revelation that I didn't have before. And I want to make decisions that please God even if my attractions tell me otherwise. That's all we can ask for is to get people on a journey with Jesus Christ and not tell them you better have it all right before you follow me down the street. But are you committed to at least follow me down the street and let me teach you along the way? So I have four points to this message uh, and I would like you to take notes on this. Okay. So uh, point number one is God created sex, blessed sex, and calls it very good. Say it again. God created sex. He blessed sex and he calls it very good. Okay. Genesis chapter number one, verse number 27 says this. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. What did he bless? He blessed those two and their sexuality and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Verse number 31 then God looked over all he had made. And on the sixth day, he made the rest of the animals and humans. That's the last thing he made was man and woman. And he saw that it was what? Very good. 
And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. God created sex. He blessed sex and he calls it very good. So when you get married, you need to know that the God that called you into a relationship with himself created your sexuality and your sex drive. He blessed your sex drive and he calls the sex you have in your marriage very good. Not just good, very good. You want to have, here, here's my, here's the prayer I've been praying all week. Lord, I just pray that every able-bodied couple that can, after this service is over, that are married to each other, go home and have sex. So good that their eyes cross and they fall asleep and get the best Sunday nap they have ever had in their whole life. I'm actually trying to prophesy that too. I believe you for it, God. Do a miracle. Go play Fortnite, kids. V-Bucks for all. That's my prayer. Because I want, I, want, I want to redeem. I want it to be redeemed for us. He made it for us. God made sex for married people. He made it. We should be having the best sex of all time. It's been so hijacked by secular culture that we've literally deified inglorious sex. And those of us that are supposed to be having glorious sex are looking at those having inglorious sex and they were jealous of them. They should be jealous of us. I feel that thing. That's good. (laughs) Point number two, please write this down. God made sex for our pleasure. God made sex for our pleasure. Now, the reason why this was a very important thing for me to uh, put here is because uh, a lot of people, a lot of traditional people that are scared of sex and sexuality will say that it's only for procreation. Sex is for procreation. It's for making babies. Outside of that, I mean. Well, there's a lot of people that can't have babies. They've tried. I, I, I've, I've walked with people through heartbreaking stories of, of, of infertility and, and they've tried in vitro and they've tried all these different things and they, and they couldn't have children. If, if we only focus on sex as procreation and not pleasure, then you'll feel like if you can't have children, that, then, you, then you shouldn't be having sex. But long after your childbearing bearing years are done, you can still enjoy the intimacy of sex with each, with, with each other. And so I, I, I want to give you uh, some, 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 some pleasure reading right now. <laughs> Song of Songs. Songs of Solomon. Chapter number four. There is some innuendo going on here. That by the time I'm done reading it, you will not have a, no problem understanding what is about to go down, what has gone down with these two people. Are you ready? Like to hear it? Here it go. Song of Songs, chapter number four, verse number one. You are beautiful, my darling. Beautiful beyond words. 
Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Let's go. <laughs> Give me all the farm talk. Let's go. I see you, shepherd boy. Out here, bruh. You out here with the... You out here spitting game like them farmers do. Let's go, bro. Your teeth are as white as sheep. Recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless. Each tooth matched with this twin. Can I stop right there? Can I stop right there? Can I, can I stop right there? Let me, let, let, me, let, me tell you why, let me tell you why this has special significance. Because I be, I be reading all the notes and stuff and all, all, the, all the commentators. The reason why this has special significance is because you got to remember, th this is, this is uh, uh, very old, um, uh, uh, primitive times. There are no dentists. So you find a woman who has made it to her late teens, early 20s, and she still got all her teeth with no decay? You done found you a winner, bro. Your smile is flawless, each tooth matched with its twin. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Speak to her. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns, of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. Let's go, bruh. Two twin fawns, perky. Let's go, man. Before the dawn breezes blow and the night sh shadows flee, I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. Beautiful in every way. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Come down from Mount Amana, from the peaks of Sinir and Hermon, where the lions have their dens and leopards live among the hills. You have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes. Bro, this is, I'm telling you, some of you guys, go home. Wait a month. Write that on a napkin. Just write it on a napkin to your, to, to your boo. You have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes, with a single jewel of your necklace. Your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine. Your perfume more fragrant than spices. Your lips are as sweet as nectar, my bride. This is my line right here. Honey and milk are under your tongue. You hear me, girl? I'm going to mack you down when this is over. Huh? It's sweet up under there. Let's go. Your clothes are scented like the cedars of Lebanon. You are my private garden, my treasure, my bride, a secluded spring, a hidden fountain. 
Your thighs shelter a paradise of pomegranates. <laughs> with rare spices. Henna with nard, nard and saffron, fragrant calamus and cinnamon. With all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and alloys, aloes and every other lovely sp spice. You are a garden. You are a garden fountain, a well of fresh water. Streaming down from Lebanon's mountains. This is all this is all him talking. You ready for her response? Awake, North Wind. <laughs> that girl said, yes. Awake, North Wind. Rise up, South Wind. Blow on my garden. Blow on it. Wake it up. And spread its fragrance all around. Come into your garden, my love. Taste. Let me pause. She didn't just say enter. She said taste. Taste its finest fruits. His response. I have entered my garden. My treasure, my bride. I gather myrrh with my spices and eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink wine with my milk. You ready for the next response? And this response is kind of like from the bridesmaids. I don't know where they at. They should not be looking at all this. Oh, lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. This is a glorious exchange back and forth between a husband and a wife building the anticipation that ends with their bodies coming together and them enjoying each other's bodies in all kinds of ways. Because this is glorious. This, do you know how many people won't read the Song of Solomon? Because they think it's taboo. How can something be taboo when God made it? It's our own negative impact on what culture has done to our society that makes us feel like we don't have permission to talk about everything he wrote. If it wasn't in here, I wouldn't read it. But when you dedicate a whole book, a whole book, God's name ain't even mentioned. God like, go ahead. Y'all just go ahead. <laughs> you ain't got to mention me. I created it. Have fun. When, when a whole book's been dedicated to it, I, I just think we should bring back the glory that we should be having in our relationship. I'm telling you guys, take notes. Girls, take notes. It's right here. If you're like, I don't know what garden means, go home and figure it out. <laughs> Point number three, please write this down. 
God gave us sex for our protection. God gave us sex for our protection. First Corinthians chapter number seven, verse number two. But because there is so much sexual immorality, would everyone agree that our culture has a lot of sexual immorality in it? Agreed? Okay. Because there is so, just want you to know, America is on par with Corinth. Okay? Nothing new under the sun. Okay? There's so much sexual immorality in our nation, in our society. Yep. Great. So it was in the Bible days. There's nothing new under the sun. Whoop-de-doo. Can't believe our country is just sliding down a hill into a slippery slope of lava. No problem. Corinth was about the same way. Okay? And they asked the questions, because remember what we talked about last week, all these people that were out here doing whatever they wanted to do, gave their life to Jesus, so now they're like, okay, so we got memories, sir. <laughs> we was out here having a whole bunch of inglorious sex. We gave our life to Jesus, and uh, we've been following his teachings, and we've been dying to our flesh, our will, our way, our particular desires. I appreciate you letting me know that attraction is not a sin, but I don't want that attraction to turn into an orientation that turns into an identity that turns its back on God. So the letter that we're writing is, should we get married and have sex or should we stay single? Paul's response is, hey, I know it would be really good. Thank you for asking the question. It would be really good if you stayed single and stayed celibate. But because there is so much sexual immorality, Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time only. So you can give yourselves more completely to prayer afterward. You should come together again so Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. He gave us sex for our protection. Now, when you live in a sexually immoral world, what they'll tell you is that uh, unprotected sex is having sex without a condom. Unprotected sex is any sex outside of marriage. If you have sex and you are not married, you are having unprotected sex. The only protected sex is sex in a marriage between a man and a woman. Any other sex you're having is unprotected. I'm not saying it doesn't feel good because that's another lie that tries to come across the pulpit. You're doing it wrong and you're going to hell. And I'm like, before I got saved, I'm like, but it's great. And glorious sex isn't about trying to tell people that what you're doing doesn't feel good. In glorious sex, when I communicate it, what I'm trying to tell people is that it doesn't give God glory. <laughs> glorious sex is sex between a man and a woman in the marriage bed. That gives God glory. Any other sex outside of that is inglorious. It does not bring glory to God. So I want you to understand 
that sex was given for our protection because we live in a sexually immoral world. Isn't it amazing that in a sexually immoral climate like Corinth, Paul's answer was marriage. (laughs) We just came from doing all this inglorious sex and uh, what are our options? Well, you can be celibate. And half the church was like, oh, dang. (laughs) Or you can get married. They were like, we choose marriage. But now we live in a culture that says, do we have to get married? Does that piece of paper really make a difference? It absolutely does. And the reason why I know it makes a difference because I've counseled people that have dated and lived with each other for 12 years, been married for six months and now about to get a divorce. And they're wondering, scratching their head. I don't understand. We were together all this time, but then we got married. And now you know why? Because there was a light that 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 began to shine on your relationship in marriage that was never shining before you got married. All that inglorious sex she was having, it was all passionate and <gasps> couldn't keep your hands off each other. Y'all throwing each other against walls and stuff and <laughs> climbing all over each other. Then you get married and you're like, mm. Mm. why? Because you got addicted to something inglorious. And it gives you a rush that's not going to be there consistently in a glorious marriage. I'm not saying you won't have those moments, but, but, but it's the difference. My friend uh, uh, Jenna, she's going to be with us on Unpacked, and she's, she's brilliant. Uh, she's a sex therapist. But um, uh, she said that it's the difference between uh, 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 riding uh, the Texas giant every day in glorious sex. <laughs> When glorious sex is supposed to be a vacation in Italy. Where you get on a gondola and eat some cheese and drink some wine while you float down a canal. And then you might have a rush of passion. And then the next day just might be comfort. And then the next day might just be maintenance. And then the day after that might be the Texas giant again. But then three weeks later, it's just, oh, I, oh, we need to come together. You bring me comfort. I've been going through a hard time. There, 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 there are things that you do to me that no one else on the planet has permission to do to me. And when you do those things, I feel better. There's a protection in that. There's a protection and an exclusivity that Juliet and I have that we know we're not bringing diseases back to each other. That's just that just brings you comfort. There's no stress involved. I wonder if she was out with somebody yesterday. Juliet ain't checking my DMs. I'm not checking her phone. Why? Because there's when there's protection, there's peace. You know, that's mine on any day of the week. I ain't got to try to go convince somebody I don't know to give it to me. I got somebody for the rest of my life that's like, when you want it, holla. And when she comes to me, I'm ready already. 
she come through the door, I'd be like, yes, it's popping. I get up in the morning, I'm like, yes. She's like, no. <laughs> Go to work. <laughs> come back. I'll be ready. There's protection in it. There's a rhythm in it. So I go out and I, 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 I can see other people that are attractive. And I'm like, well, hey, hey man, hope, hopefully somebody finds you. I got mine. And it's safe and it's protected. And there's a bond because we keep going to each other over and over again. Uh, 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 my friend Jenna made this ridiculously brilliant statement. Uh, and I know it can go both ways uh, uh, with a woman or a man, but this is most commonly a man. Uh, but she said, um, men would rather uh, uh, s- uh, spend time uh, trying to get multiple women instead of committing to one woman and figuring her out multiple times. See, you actually think that you're the man because you've been with so many women. When by heaven's account, you are the man when you can stay with one. There are some ladies that have adopted this mentality of men and they think the more men they have, the, 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 the more control they have. When the truth of the matter is you would really find glory in one man that you don't have to control. He gave us sex in marriage for our protection. Which brings me to point number four. Please write this down. God's image shows up when we have sex. It's not just glorious because of the way it feels. We actually get an image of God When we have sex with each other, God's image shows up when we have sex. Say it with me. God's image shows up when we have sex again. God's image shows up when we. One more time. God's. Yes. Genesis chapter number one, verse number 27. So God created human beings. In his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Y'all ready for it? Now, remember, uh, if you recall uh, earlier in the teachings of this series, uh, I talked about that when you get married to your spouse, your spouse is you outside of you looking back at you, talking to you about you. Y'all remember that? Your spouse is you outside of you, looking back at you, talking to you about you. Well, God made male and female in his image in Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one, he made male and female in his image, but they didn't have any bodies. Genesis two, he scoops the dust of the earth and he makes man and he blows into the man, his spirit. Man becomes a living soul. Right. The woman's inside the man. He puts the man to sleep, pulls out the woman, forms the woman. He made the man. He was like. He formed the woman. Okay. Then he brought her back to the man. 
God sees his image during intercourse between a man and a woman who are married. His image literally shows up. Because he made man in his image, right? Male and female, he created them. When he made man, woman was inside the man. Until he took the woman outside of the man. And it's not until the woman and the man are back together that we see this beautiful image of God. So let me tell you, married couples, Christian married couples, when you are in the bed with your spouse and y'all are having intercourse, you know what God says? There I go. There I am. There I am. There we are. Why? Because he made the man and the woman. They were in one body. The woman came out of the man. And when the man goes into the woman, they are one. And that oneness shows up and represents God. And he goes, there I am. So here's your formula. Man plus woman plus marriage equals God's image. (laughs) Man plus woman minus marriage equals your image. You're glorifying yourself. Man plus man minus marriage equals your image. Man plus man and marriage equals your image. Woman plus woman plus marriage is your image. Woman plus woman, no marriage. Your image, only man plus woman plus marriage equals God's image. Whose image do you want displayed in your marriage? His or yours? It's, it's your opportunity to give God glory. But as you know, from the Old Testament all the way to the New, you can't give God glory your way. You can't give God glory any way you want. Down from the way he required worship in the tabernacle all the way through to when Jesus says there's coming a day. Well, where uh, those that worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. There is a way worship is required. But we give God glory in our marriages. This one last thing. So we know that uh, uh, there's a blessed trinity in the oneness of God. Right. There's God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. Okay. now. Remember, when there is uh, intercourse between a man uh, and a woman, it shows God's glory. There is a possibility uh, in that interaction and in that exchange that life can be produced in that exchange. So think about the fact that in that exchange, a potential life that can be formed makes three of y'all present in this one act. The husband, the wife, and the new life that is conceived in that moment. Listen, y'all, I want to redeem sex. 
for married people. I want y'all to like it. I want you to be embarrassed of it and ashamed of it. And I know, I know there's a lot of brokenness. You, you talk about sex and you are opening up Pandora's box. And that's why when we do unpack today, it, we'll, we'll try to cover all, all the things we can. I mean, this is a limitless conversation. We have a limited amount of time. So we'll, we'll try to get to as much as we can. But, but I hope and I pray that I have hit the points that really matter. And the points that really matter are, if you are married... You should be having the best sex ever. Not your unrealistic expectations of sex. Not the stuff you want your spouse to do that you saw somewhere else. Create your own narrative. Write your own song. Produce your own experiences. Come into agreement on what brings you all pleasure. Experiment. Go on a tour. Do you like it here? There. How about here? There. Would you like me to blow on the south wind? I have Bible for it. Would you like me to wake up the north wind? I want to experience this whole garden. Talked about some springs. I I, want to bring joy and love and purity back to the marriage bed. So I, I, pray, I pray that y'all can like schedule something today. I, I pray this isn't like two or three days away. I hope you get a babysitter. I hope you get somebody to go somewhere so that you have the opportunity to produce glory today. Oh, that's the best way to say it. That's, that's, that, that's how I'm going to hit. That's how I'm going to hit you. That's how I'm going to hit you up this week. Be like, you want to bring God some glory? You down to manifest his presence today? Hey, yes, I'm down for all the things. Trying to get that garden wet today. We, we good? We good? Don't put that mask like you don't know. It's 22 years. I done been, I've been on a whole tour there. That's, that's mine. I love it. I want to normalize this conversation until you're not, <laughs> right? Until you're, right? The only reason why you're doing that because you don't talk about it enough. You do stuff that you don't talk about. And I promise you're not experiencing glory until you do both. When you, communi- when you can communicate like grown adults, not like seventh graders. <laughs> telling you, you'll be having the best sex ever. Okay? All right, so ladies and gentlemen, whew, this concludes your nine-week series on Upset the Vows. I love you guys so much. I hope you have been blessed. I hope you have learned something. I hope your marriage is in a revival. I hope you believe that God's best for marriage is still in you. I love you. All right, bow your heads, close your eyes. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Y'all sit down, sit down, sit down. What is the Holy Spirit saying to 
you through this marriage series, through, through this particular message on sex. For, for, for married couples, I hope what he's saying to you is, go have sex. For single people, I hope what he's saying to you is, get married, if that's what you want. Right? Some of y'all have made it through this whole series and you're like, I'm celibate forever. And that's okay. Singleness is not a curse. It's not an emptiness of anything. It's actually the commitment to everything that has to do with God. And there's glory in it. But I feel like God gave me this series and told me to walk through it very slowly. Over the span of three months. To bring people into a context of how they should be experiencing God and each other in their marriage. The enemies so violently attacking marriages. He so wants to destroy the family unit that I felt like I was compelled to teach for nine weeks on the subject. So my prayer is that whether you are here or you're watching us there, Whatever God is saying to you, hear him, believe him, obey him. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters. I thank you, Lord God, that... um, as I have obeyed to teach what you've called me to teach, that you would establish generational blessings that go on for a thousand generations between covenants that have been made in front of God and man to show the picture of Christ and his love for his bride, the church. God, I pray that there is no weapon that prospers in any of the marriages and that every tongue that would try to rise up in judgment, you will condemn it. God, I thank you that every single marriage under the sound of my voice, both here and abroad, is blessed, is saved, is strong, is loving, is kind, is joyful, is enduring. Lord God, may there be no more broken pictures of the image that we need to see between Jesus and his love for his bride. God, I thank you for everything that you have done. And I leave it in your hands now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you for past messages, updates, and more please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you had a great week. Thanks for listening today.